0: New voice memo from Adrian.
1: So I've been having kind of a down day and I've been thinking about it and I think there's probably a few reasons why but I think it's partly like I had, you know, a really active weekend and I hung out with a lot of people and it was really fun but I tend to have kind of this down day after I Do some stuff like that sometimes and I feel like maybe it's just gotten worse now that I live by myself um and like I know my life is good and I know people love me and like I know I'm not alone but I don't know I think I feel kind of down sometimes after spending a lot of time with people and then like being by myself then like today I was just like getting groceries and I just felt really sad and like, I almost started crying in the grocery store. I don't know, I'm feeling better now, but it's, I don't know. it's just weird how it hits you sometimes. I don't know, do you ever feel like that? So that was a voice memo I sent Suze a few weeks ago. And I honestly don't really remember the situation when I felt that way and I sent her that voice memo. But I did want to include that at the beginning of this podcast for a few reasons. One of them is it kind of falls in line with some stuff we talk about at the intro to this podcast, which we recorded a few months ago at the same time we recorded this interview. But another reason is just because, you know, we try really hard on here to be authentic and to share with you our bad days as well as our good days And I know we've talked a lot about good days recently, and we do have a lot of good days these days especially, but we also want to be real that, you know, it's sometimes it's not always great. And sometimes we have some down days just like anyone. And another reason I really wanted to share it was because it is this time of year, it's the holidays, and I know it can be a really hard time for a lot of people. To be completely honest, it's not an easy time for me with just some transitions that are going through and things just not being the same as they have been in the past. And not to, again, not to say that it's bad. It's just that things are different and that can be hard to navigate this time of year. So if you're in a similar place and maybe this time of year is hard for you, just want to let you know you're not alone and i hope you take some time to take care of yourself and to make space for what you're feeling and that you're still able to enjoy this time of year whatever it means to you so i hope you have some times with some loved ones whether that's friends or family or found family and we hope you have happy holidays with whatever you celebrate we appreciate all of you And we just hope you have a good time over the next couple weeks. And just one last update before we jump into our episode. We will be taking a break next week for the holidays, so we will not have an episode next week, but we will see you in the new year. Cheers. Welcome to Open Heart Surgery, a podcast where two queer best friends delve into the nuances of relationships and get curious about how to become our most loving selves. Hey Suze.
2: Hey Adrienne.
1: How you doing?
2: I'm not gonna lie, I'm sad today.
1: Yeah?
2: I'm just feeling down. about. (sighs) I don't even know, just like lots of random things, like little littleish things that I've added up. And also, just for full disclosure, I'm feeling kind of sad about my divorce today, and that's not a feeling I've felt in a while. Yeah. Do you want to know why?
1: Yes, I do want to know why.
2: Is this too real to say on the podcast?
1: No, you, you should definitely say it on the podcast.
2: Okay. So... Divorce and grief and healing are so not linear. I have mm. not felt honestly sad about the divorce in a while. The reason I felt sad today, I could have never even predicted because I was cleaning out my refrigerator and throwing away some old things. And I was sad because the condiments that I was throwing away were things that I purchased during my marriage mm. or that like my spouse purchased during our marriage. Yeah. That was so random and it crushed me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm throwing these things away. Like some of the last things we bought together. Ugh.
1: That's so real, though. I mean, that's so like, it's so visceral. There's just like, there's so much to that, I think. Like, I know. there's just so much, like, so much about like the little things of your day to day life that are not the same.
2: Yeah. The tiniest little things. Yeah. And, <sighs> You know, I went on with my day. It wasn't like, it made me sad, but it wasn't life changing. It wasn't, it didn't, you know, crush me to my core, but it was a little sad.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's totally valid. Definitely happens to me sometimes with like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, song I hear or like Mm -hmm. some stupid little joke or something and I'll just be like.
2: The jokes you can't really explain to anyone else. right?
1: And I'll just be like, oh, that's like, it's like different, you know? And even though I still have a relationship with my partner, um, you know, she's not always around whenever like something like that happens. So like, it's still different. So it's just like life.
2: Life moves on. Yeah. And that is beautiful and sad.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm
2: so grateful that life keeps going and gets different and... (laughs) I'm so grateful for the new memories, new connections. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember I can be grateful for all of that. Yeah. And still sad. Yeah. About what I lost.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think holding those two things, right? Yeah. is just like that you can both appreciate the memories. Yeah. And appreciate what that relationship meant for you at the time. And yeah. like still feel like sad about it.
2: It can all be true at once. Yeah. So I've just had a really, I guess I felt a little vulnerable emotionally today and a little sad. And also like, I'm grateful for where my life is now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mm. feel, I feel similar in a lot of ways too. Like I've had like kind of a similar week, I think, like where yeah. I felt again, like, like you said, like just a bunch of little things that I've just kind of felt down about the way my life has changed and isn't. Like, quite what it used to be, and kind of missing that old life, but also, like, like again, trying to hold on to that my life is in some ways in a better place now, and or is like in the place it should be. I feel you.
2: (sighs) I feel like it's one of the most beautiful experiences about being human that all of these things can be true at once,
0: yeah.
2: And I can equally mourn my marriage. feel like i'm gonna get emotional i can equally mourn my marriage and be grateful for where i am now yeah Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about our topic today (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is not this maybe we can explore this on another episode
1: Yeah. (laughs) yeah okay so today we're talking about how to fight fair and like relationship conflict and... I'm
2: so excited for this talk.
1: Yeah, we're talking to two of our friends, Anthony and Sierra. Anthony's a therapist and Sierra, she's like studied therapy and so I know they're going to bring a lot of great things to the table. And they're married. And they're married, yes. And two of just the sweetest people I've ever Very met. Very genuine. Yeah, they're just like super sweet people it's like every time they're like the type of people like the first time you have a conversation with mm-hmm. them you're like you feel seen and you feel heard I remember just the first time I met them immediately having a good conversation I mean it might have been small talk but it didn't feel like it you know that like it just felt like a beautiful skill an immediate connection with with these two people and I
2: think today's gonna be good for my heart to yeah talk to them.
1: I think so too especially with us both kind of feeling in this place yeah we're I a just little like blah we're a little blah And I just think they're going to be some good people to talk to.
2: Yeah, we're a little blah, but at least this episode is sandwiched between two really fun ones.
1: Oh, that's true.
2: Like last week, we talked about astrology. Yeah, that was really fun. fun. Next week, we're talking about swinging.
1: (laughs) Nice. Can't wait. That's fun, too. Yeah, it's going to be fun.
2: And healthy conflict can even maybe be fun.
1: Hey, we'll see.
2: Yeah, but my heart's excited to talk about this today. Yeah, me too. It'll be great.
1: All right. Here's our interview with Anthony and Sierra. Yay. Okay. We are here with our friends, Anthony and Sierra, and we're super excited to talk to them about relationship conflict and how to fight fair and we're just super excited to have you all thanks for joining us thank
2: you so much
3: yeah thanks for having us really appreciate it
2: yeah it's really exciting to be
4: able to do this with like friends and a non-clinical setting so
3: (laughs) yeah
1: so just to start us off can you just tell us a little bit about who you are Uh, maybe tell us your pronouns and what you do and like how you're related to the subject i guess
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll start. Um, so I'm Anthony Lera licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, He/him pronouns. Um, I've been doing therapy for a few years now as a clinician, and um, been wanting to be a therapist since I was actually a marriage and family therapist since I was 16 years old. Wow. Very passionate about working with couples, and so just wanting to heal relationships, and so that's kind of what brought me in and. Um, alongside uh, my wife, Sierra Laracuti, um, and starting a practice together, which we're currently doing. Um, and so it's called Altateric Counseling um, in Boone, North Carolina. So that's kind of what we're working on right now. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, um, my name is Sierra Laracuti. Um, I have a license in music therapy. Uh, to practice in North Carolina. And I'm currently a clinical mental health counseling student at Blatchen state. So I'm in my second week of learning and uh, I just am soaking it up. I think watching Anthony work and going through my own intensive therapy and dealing with trauma. I just, I couldn't help, but think like, I want to be doing this for the rest of them. I want to share this for the rest of my life because it was life changing for me. So I am just new to the counseling field and really excited to learn. So
1: mm-hmm. That's and awesome. my pronouns
4: are she, her.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Can you tell me, tell us more about music therapy? I'm just can't, just curious about it.
4: Yeah. So basically it's achieving therapeutic goals through the means of music as a modality. So we work primarily, we're advertised in media as working with neurodivergent clients that have developmental needs uh, previously awesome. as autism. And since some communities still Um, it depends on how you want to identify as an individual, which I love. I mean, I think things are changing in a way that uh, clients can find their own identity. Um, so it's primarily used within the neurodivergent community and advertised as such, but you can work in mental health facilities, residential facilities. Um, I've worked in hospice care, uh, which doesn't sound, it sounds like a, 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 you know, a, a dark time in someone's life, but you wouldn't believe what clients will share when they're uh, peace and out. <laughs> they will share yeah. a things. thing. So uh, music to tap in and develop quick rapport is something that I, I loved. Uh, working in groups is like our primary modality. So working in a group setting and clients can do anything depending on their goals from writing songs with the therapist to support, uh, being able to improvise, which is one of my favorite things because the client leads that even if they have no musical history and the therapist supports it to feel like a successful process. So um, wow. in a music therapy, we, we make sure that the relationship between the therapist and the client is a catalyst for change mm-hmm. because without that, therapeutic relationship it is impossible to achieve those goals um it's basically ninja therapy i mean
1: <laughs> it just, I it, it's,
4: from the outside it can look like you're having fun but you're yeah. having these amazing cathartic experiences with some aesthetic distance in between
1: that's cool it's that's like awesome. we tricked you you got better
4: really i've had teens be like i'm not gonna tell my therapist anything and then <laughs> therapy and in residential treatment you share everything with the team and i'm like hey listen to this tea like mm-hmm. we got so many places here and they didn't even know it was a therapy session so and that's not because we didn't disclose it it's because it just didn't feel that way because yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. experience is different so
1: i love that that's so great it's
4: a lot of fun <laughs> it's okay it's, a good summer,
3: question. it's not like Music therapy is very different from uh, performance, and so sometimes yeah. I get that confused. Like, oh, are you gonna like play us some songs? It's like, no, nope, not like that.
4: <laughs> not about me. It's about you. Uh,
3: that's so interesting. I'd use music to get inside your head. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Could y'all tell us a little bit about your marriage? How long you've been together? How you met? If you want to share that. I would just love to hear a little bit about the personal side of you because in addition to being licensed or soon to be licensed (laughs) counselors, you're also married, which I think is incredibly um, just such a wonderful perspective you're going to bring to this yeah i hope so we're
4: definitely a mess but i think that there's beauty in sharing that that's kind of the beauty of therapy right like you're not just yeah. hiding your stuff you're mm-hmm. and and when you're in a group of friends like sharing the the hard stuff makes you feel more
2: validated so
4: yeah but if you want to share a history well,
2: i needed to hear that today that alone i needed to hear so thank you <laughs> Even In the dark, right let's bring it yeah. to the light so that yeah. no
4: one feels like they have to stay in the dark by themselves that's a lonely place like yeah, okay. yeah
3: yeah absolutely but you know as far as our history goes um, we've been married over six years Uh, April 30th was for six years Um, we met in college so at Appalachian State um, and we met through a mutual friend um, and I think like the first thing that drew us together was she was uh, we you know ask each other what's our majors right and I'm like yeah I'm you know psychology major and she's like what I'm a music therapy major and like (laughs) we just completely just connected on the whole therapy thing it's like how often do you meet someone potential like partner who shares in the same career path like I just don't really come across that usually Mm -hmm. um so it really works for us like we just <laughs> to understand like our passions really well in terms of our career path was was essential and the music piece I'm a musician you know just I like to play music and so when she was doing that too I was like oh well that's another thing that we that connected us and yeah. so um yeah just from there on we just been <laughs> I don't know it's just it just it just sparked ever since and oh. You know, um, and the fact that we were just interested in doing therapy for the long term also really helps with our mindsets to want to do it for our own selves and for our own marriage. Um, Because, you know, it didn't come without issues. We've definitely been through a lot together in our marriage. And just just like communication alone is something that really is something that we needed work on. And we really just wanted to understand each other better. And so from that aspect, you know, we've done our own therapeutic work to get to a point that, Hey, like we just want to stay connected. We want to understand each other's emotions, you know, and, and, and not to like step over them either, or, but just like, just understand them, hear them help like validate them so that like, I don't. I, we, I don't want her to feel crazy I don't want to feel crazy so how can yeah. we talk through this so that we don't end up feeling that way and we can remain on the same team so that's just kind of a little bit of a history of our relationship I guess in a nutshell but in terms of how we met how far we've come and I don't know Sierra you want to add how to that. far we
4: have to go like to go. <laughs> <laughs> the minute we think we we've learned everything it's a minute we're done like yeah. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. And I've, I get to those places. I'm like, Oh, I've got it. Like, I'm going to teach. That's going to be fine. Like, but no, mm-hmm. like that's usually when I crash and burn and I have to keep a posture of like constantly learning and honestly just asking our friends how their marriage, which, she feels so awkward to be like, how's your marriage? How's your relationship? Yeah. You know, that's a really tough one. And I don't, I don't pull that one out of the hat on everyone unless I'm like, I think they want to talk about this, but maybe bringing it up is hard. So um, we have a lot more to learn for sure. Um,
3: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we're both, what I love about our relationship is that we're both willing to learn. We're both willing to grow. We're not committed to just being stuck or just doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Yeah. You know, I may behave that way sometimes. I don't recall an example, but like I'm sure I've been like just get stuck in what's comfortable sometimes. Right. But yeah, what I appreciate is like in our marriage, you know, Sierra's a lot better than doing this than I am, but she's very good at like just recognizing what's going on with me and just being able to get to it, like just call it out and get to the root of it, of the of the issue. And I'm like, man, like. Sometimes you know me better than I know myself, and that's and that's <laughs> cool. Like I need someone to kind of take a step yeah. in and be, like, hey, like, what's going on here? And I'm like, all right, yeah, <laughs> we got we got to talk about Sarah it.
2: Sarah is shaking her head, by the way, <laughs> for our listeners. <laughs> I'm not this good. Like I didn't apologize to my husband
4: until. I got into therapy. I couldn't do. It. I had a visceral reaction to like apologizing. Yeah. I was always shamed in my family system when you apologized they made you feel worse for apologizing. So I never did it. And yeah. it hurt him over a long period of time. So I'm just now getting to a point where I can lay yeah. my pride down and apologize. And um, hmm. who would have thought it's actually really freeing to humble yourself out. <laughs> but he's saying all these kind things. And I'm just like, mm, well, that's, that's the first thing that popped. That's why I was shaking my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's really interesting you said that. Because Susan and I were beforehand, we were talking about Uh, You know, what kind of questions we wanted to ask y'all, what kind of, like, thoughts we had on the subject, and that was one thing that I brought up that we were talking about was um, when I got in a relationship with Charity, my partner, um, Mm -hmm. that was one of the first things that I, like, realized was we responded differently to conflict, Mm. and, like, because of how we were raised and, like, the way our parents and, like, our family, like, responded to conflict. And that was like the hardest thing for us to figure out. If like one of you is like, a, I'm going to yell this out. And the other one is like, I'm going to walk away. <laughs> then that's so hard. It is yeah. the
3: pursuer distancer relationship style that, you know, it, it's it's more common than anything. Just like, just and you're right. Like it goes back. It can't go back to just like our family systems, right? Like how do we choose to respond to conflict? It all goes back to those roots. And so that played out too. It's was like, I think, that's how it was for us. It was like, I want to like get in there and just like, I'm going to talk this and talk this until we're until we're good. Right. Yeah. And so nope. Like, I need space. I need time to think. Like, we need to cool off. And in hindsight, to me, I think that is the better route after <laughs> all. Um, yeah. it's more of a practice for me to be like, hey, it's okay to to not be all right in this moment. We don't have to get to the quick fix you know, and sometimes that's freeing alone is just to like remove the pressures of that. But yeah, I totally t- can totally see that. Um, just like how you respond to each other and conflict is very can be very different. Like the flight or fight response kicks yeah. in sometimes.
1: Yeah. How much of that do you think comes from like our family or background or, or does it just kind of depend on the person?
3: I mean, that's a very good question. I, I don't I can't speak for everyone. But I'd like to think like for the most part that it does go back to like what's natural. And like, we've, the only reason I can say that is was really from our own experience. I know that Sierra and I have both identified triggers within our conflict that actually goes back to our families. Like through, yeah. uh, actually, we talk about that so often now that I can't even see where that's not the case. And it's not like a hundred percent. There's just some times where we'll be like, no, like, you know what was said was just not okay it's just hurtful regardless of where where it goes back to but a lot of times it's like it's not what it's just appears to be on the surface yeah um you know like a good example of that and again like this is really no fault of sierra at all like it really goes back to my family but a core feeling that i get sometimes is feeling misunderstood and whenever i get misunderstood in the moment i tend to respond as i my 13 year old self most likely <laughs> would respond because my grandmother pinned me down to only two emotions i was either happy or angry even though i know there's more emotions than that but she didn't know or even you know didn't bother to want to get to know yeah. you know she's like this is it so i was like no i'm tired They're like no you're angry i'm like oh, this is not, <laughs> not going to be a good conversation. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, but that, I, I felt misunderstood. And so uh-huh. my natural response became like, I had to get louder, 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 until someone yeah. was like, either like, we're done, you hear me, or we're just done with the conversation. Either way, it just had to be finished. And so sometimes that can come out. But since we've been in therapy, I was able to identify that for myself. And then I'd be like, okay. And we're not perfect at this by any stretch, Mm -hmm. but being able to be like, okay, let's catch this, you know, and see what we can do differently. So I don't have to do what my child self would do because that's just not rational. It's just, it doesn't work to just yell because no one likes to yell. No one likes to hear yelling. So that's just the way it is. So that's it in front, you know, to apply to us, it can appear that way Um, where it goes back to our family systems and how we, go through conflict um, as an example. But I can see that with anyone.
2: Mm-hmm. Ooh, I relate. <laughs> <laughs> I relate. Um, do you think it's possible to really change the way you address conflict to go from maybe that heightened emotion pursuer to someone who can more calmly sit with their emotions and not feel the need to yell. And the reason I ask is because that was totally my marriage, was the pursuer distance or dynamic that you talked about. And I've also seen it, I think, in some other relationships I've had and then not so much in others too. But I I do so much work in therapy around you know figuring out what those triggers are, how to find better ways to address them than blowing up or yelling, which is where... Unfortunately, like that is my gut reaction because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. Do you think it's really possible to change that? Because I want to believe it is. So I <laughs> just want to know your thought.
4: <laughs> I think every person's potential for change is directly proportionate to their capacity to want to change. mm. So, the degree at which your level, when she wants to affect change and you want to make those goals happen when it comes to communication, I think it's absolutely possible. If you're mm-hmm. motivated enough, it can happen. And science does tell us this. It says that those neural pathways that have been carved in your brain to survive no longer serve you anymore. And if you're mm-hmm. willing to do the work, you can create new neural pathways that can affect change. And, um, that it, you no longer have to survive in those systems you learned when you were younger, but you can definitely forge new paths through therapy, through practice, through patterns, learning new patterns of behavior. So I'm <laughs> I don't like to use definitives, but I'm also mm. a, a hopeful person. I can't help the science substantiates those claims. So I right. can't help that. Yeah. That, you know, um, in music therapy, we work with clients that have sustained traumatic brain injuries. So the way that we support clients in learning to pick up a spoon and practice those fine motor skills isn't with picking up a spoon, we choose a detour, Mm -hmm. we choose a motivating activity, uh, music to pick up a drumstick. And you're like, Oh, I couldn't tell my brain to pick up the fork, But I could motivate it to pick up a drumstick. Like, that's what we're doing in therapy, it may not be the direct path, but we can sustain new detours to get to those goals if we want to. Um,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I hope that answered your question. Yes, that was wonderful. And I love what you said about being a hopeful person because i am too but i also love to know the science yeah. so if i can be hopeful about something and it's backed up by science that's a win-win so <laughs> i love that i'm the same way
3: oh yeah i think it just honestly it just boils down to like if you can believe and you don't even have to believe 100 percent, but if you just mm-hmm. have like drops of belief enough to just kind of persevere I I think there could be some change, and 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 of course, being that it's a relationship, it does take two people to make it work. You know, yeah, we have, yeah. that is important. If you just if you're like if you're the one doing all that you can, doing the best that you can, and the other person's just kind of like sitting by, it's not going to be as effective as if both people are meeting. You know, like working together, meeting more in the middle, and like yeah. I don't know. It's like the whole like the two ox and the, what do you call it? The yoke, being equally yoked is just, as in some, and it's <laughs> probably the best way I can put it. If you can yeah. like, if you can stir that plow together, you're mm. going gonna to do amazing yeah. things together. Whereas one person's just
2: yeah.
3: pulling that and the other person's just kind of like, Pretty much like dead weight, you know, like yeah. yeah, it's it's not gonna feel good. But at the end of the day, even in that stretch, you come to some realizations about the relationship. So
4: I like what you said about that. And to give more context, because I know this is like maybe like a cultural thing that not everyone grew up with, but like you picture like in the old days, they had to even evenly yoke two oxen to pull a cart. Because mm-hmm. if one was bigger than the other, it one would be doing all the work and the other would be like struggling mm-hmm. and And there's also something that I heard that I've never forgotten. And it was, if you paired like a a donkey with (laughs) an ox, donkeys have an affinity for a certain type of grass or certain type of plant they eat that can actually kill the oxen.
3: So, so So
4: if they start eating something and they're not equally yoked in that manner, like it's not going to. So if you have a partner that has, toxic habits that they're not going to give up for your relationship whether or not you are choosing to eat it does affect you
3: yeah
4: and i didn't say that as eloquently as i wanted to but i yeah, def- you said it perfectly uh way and better just- than me
3: i'm just talking about some yoke and people <laughs> like
2: <laughs> no i was like
3: oh, I need to
2: explain, not everyone grew up you know with that uh explain because i know you explained that so well yeah. and i think that's such a great way to look at it you know i'm happy to meet i, I want to meet someone halfway or yeah, you know, I'll even meet you like sixty-five percent of the way, but <laughs> like I can't, you know, I can't do all, all of it, and yeah. I, I do feel like I was trying to do that in my relationship. So yeah, and there are <sighs> going to be seasons where we have to counterbalance, right?
4: Like mm-hmm. right. I'm going
2: to have my seasons of
4: debilitating anxiety and depression. It happens mm. every. Every, I feel like November through March lately, like I know it's going to happen and I'm sometimes going to be able to give like, like 45, 40%, sometimes like lower than that, but it's for a season. And I think that's acceptable. Like that's. I think that is healthy as long as it's not prolonged. Like I'm not going to be at 35% for eight months or mm-hmm. even like two months. It's going to be just a period of time that will, that will end. And he's going to have seasons like that That's too, true. that are tough. And I'll have to buff out the extra percentage when I need to, but I think it's when it goes on for too long and you're giving 65 for like years, it's not fair and it's not. sustainable. Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And just the willingness to love through that, you know, the perseverance to that. I mean, look, in, in sickness and in health, right? Like that's, that's a part of that whole dynamic. It's yeah. like, I love you unconditionally, even, even in your hardest moments, you know, like, is it going to be easy? I mean, no, it's not. Truthfully, it's not easy, but no relationship is going to be easy work. It is hard work, yeah. but it's fruitful. Like it's rewarding when you can like work through that. And like, just to know, I mean, like for me, like that's motivation enough to know that what I, what my love gives to Sierra is gonna make her feel better even in her darkest times, you know, it's, that's all, that's all I need, so.
1: Yeah. I love that relating that to health. I think so much like if we thought about mental health more, what we think of like physical health, you know, like Mm -hmm. how much that would affect us. You know, if your partner was sick for a few months, would you take care of them? Like, absolutely. If your partner is going to be, you know, have some mental health issues for a few months, like, yeah, you're going to take care of them.
4: Oh, I love that. I really like that.
3: And plus it's knowing that like if I were in her shoes... You know, would I would I want to be the same way? It's like treating others the yeah. way I want to be treated, right? Like, and I think mm-hmm. that just, to you know that that's mutual between us is, it's hopeful for the relationship is when we can treat each other well, even in our hardest moments of life, because we're going to have that. We're not perfect. You know, we're going to yeah. have challenges. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's going to help, you know, make her feel some kind of way or me. But at the end of the day, We love each other enough to work on it together and to inspire each other, lift each other up, you know, whatever it takes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question that veers more on the personal than the professional. So like, feel free to answer or not answer how you feel comfortable with. You've you've spoken a little bit about y'all doing like some couples therapy together, right? Yep. I know like so hard because there's a stigma to that, right? So many people that are like, if you're going to couples therapy, it's like the last I know. <laughs> step, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, I think like in so many relationships, it's like, no, like maybe you just need to do it for six months to get on the same page. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can you talk a little bit about like that or like as much as your experiences you want to talk about or just kind of that as a whole?
4: I love talking about this. And obviously from a professional standpoint, I, I I'm like, oh, I don't overshare, but I probably will anyway. <laughs> uh, we I love have-
2: oversharing on this podcast. <laughs> well, you that have got- it is our brand. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I you know, we we have seasons where we go to couples therapy because we just can't. Even though we've gone to school for this, it's hard to do on yourself. It's not ethical, first of all, to therapize each other. Mm -hmm. But I think what I, we went back to couples therapy, actually a couple months ago, we just bought a new house, life transitions. And even without all that stuff, we just weren't on the same page. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, okay, well, we need to go back. And I talked to a friend about it. And they were like, oh, my goodness, you're going to couples therapy. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I talk about therapy so much, because it's my life. And I was like, I'm actually curious how you heard that she was like, well, I heard your was on its last legs. And I was like, well, tell me this. So you're driving your car, I was like, you give your car like yearly maintenance, right? You check the tires for airflow, you check, you know, you make sure that the windshield wiper fluids in there, you make sure that everything's tuned finally and you go in for regular checkups. And if you don't, what happens? Well, the car breaks down. And I was like, I think people think that couples therapy is the car is on fire Um, Like the person's locked inside, passed out, like the the airbags have gone off and they're getting the iron claw out to maybe save. (laughs) But all it really is, is a perfectly good alternator that runs out every couple years just needs to be replaced. The car's not on fire. It is expected maintenance for you, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, if you went to the doctor for a cold, no one'd be like, "Oh my gosh, when are we gonna stop? Are do you know what you want to do after you die? Like, do you know? Like, no." <laughs> 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 so I just wonder. I what my point was to stress to this youngly married woman: like, going to couples therapy does not mean the car's on fire. Mm-hmm. It just means you might need to fill up your gas tank or just change a change your brakes. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Mm. i just like i i even now i feel this level of shame when i talk to people because i don't want to be judged for it but
1: yeah
2: you know change my alternator you know <laughs> no one's gonna judge me for changing the alternator i'm like oh. no i would be happy that you did it
1: yeah i love that analogy your
2: has to change her alternator can you believe it like, <laughs> <laughs> must be <laughs> like, she must be not
4: doing that <laughs> I, th- right. I know that was a lot a big tangent but
3: <laughs> I mean, it's just making sure that we're, ta- you know, it's safety precautions. And it's the same way yeah. any relationship, Maintenance, you know, yeah. I know and correct me I'm wrong, here, because I'm trying to figure out, I'm reflecting back on our first moment of couples therapy for us personally. And I think we just, it, I don't even know a particular example, but all I just remember is that, oh, our communication's off, time to go to therapy. Like,
0: yeah.
3: that's kind of how it was. It was just like, we're not talking about well. it. We wanna talk better, so we need help. And I I mean, it was a collaborative effort of course. And and so, and we were already in individual therapy at the time with the same therapist. So we're just like, hey, let's just do a couples therapy. We just told the same therapist and you. Wow. Yeah.
4: That's not traditional because of dual relationships, but we, at the beginning of both of us seeking individual counseling with this one therapist knew that we were going to do check ins So we signed a non-disclosure form yeah. so that we could interchangeably have it flow evenly and not, and not get into any ethical violations. Right. So just say like that's not the normals, it's just kind of a unique situation right yeah I'm
3: right very open with each other like I told my therapist yeah just tell her everything like and vice versa like I, I, was, I would have told her every time I'm done with therapy I always just tell her what we're talking about anyways I'm just like as soon as I get home I'm like this is what happened and like yeah, yeah I just go to all these different details but
4: not everyone's like that and everyone yeah. just their privacy if they want it and that's okay they like yeah. if I I don't have to do no one has right. to do that. Um exactly. it's different for everyone. Right. right.
3: Yeah. We are just, just naturally open with each other. Because we've all.
4: been in therapy for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, at this point, like we've had to do it for school and we've been it had to do this for so right. long.
1: Yeah.
4: And that's not a normal situation. <laughs> yeah. Anyone to feel like that has to be what they do. So hmm.
1: right. yeah. I love all that. I think we've all been in relationships where we just like at some point, some type of communication where you just hit a wall. You feel like the the other person in your relationship is not hearing you and they feel like you're not hearing them and like you just cannot get to the right point. It makes sense to bring in someone else at that point to be like, hey, let's work through this all together. That makes so much sense. I I love that analogy.
3: I was like, as soon as you asked that question, I was like, I'm gonna look at Sierra and like she's gonna say this analogy because I love it. (laughs) She she played to people all the time and there are plenty of people we know Today, where we can we want to convey that message to, because it's yeah. like the likelihood for success, if you were to choose to go to therapy when you're on your last leg, it, it's it's a lot smaller because like i've I've been through both sides professionally. like I've worked with couples who came to see me and are just like, "Hey, you know, we just need a checkup or just like, we just need to work on this tiny little thing here." And it's usually they're very cooperative. um, and they're not like, Screaming their heads off in, in, in the room versus the other side of it when they wait until that car crashes and is on fire, it really shows in the therapy mm-hmm. room. Like, yeah, I've had them yell at each other, yell at me, like animals fighting in a cage match. I'm just like, uh, where's the easy button? I'm trying to like <laughs> I <don't laughs> want to get the fog. I've done this. I've I had like thoughts of like, I need to get the fog horn a whistle? and just like <laughs> stop. oh my gosh. Yeah. It's,
2: it's like
4: I was like this too before therapy but it's like saying to someone would you rather learn CPR in a course that's safe in an environment that's encouraging rather than having to do the crash course while the person is dying right but trying to be like what was that yeah. episode of office where it what beat is it like what, what is it? <laughs> like you don't want to have to learn in the moment to do CPR it's right. like a life-saving measure you want to learn those tools ahead of time yeah
1: yeah, yeah. That's great. I love that.
2: Do you think there's ever valid reasons to go to couples therapy, maybe even before you're married, if you're just in a more serious dating relationship? Oh, yeah. totally. Absolutely. That will be. I will be, be, I will yeah. be <laughs> making that a requirement to date. Me. <laughs> yeah. No, but
4: really, if, I mean, I think that's a good way to vet candidates, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, if willing. If they're willing and open, like. <laughs> I'm yeah. I think so. I don't know. It I says, love
3: that. I think it says a lot. If you can commit to that process you know early on, it does show a mutual like willingness to grow together. I mean, both individually and as as a relationship. Like
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
3: like and you get to learn so much about each other, you know, before you make a really hard commitment here. Yeah. yeah. The premarital counseling, you really get down to like nitty-gritty stuff. Like mm-hmm just core interests, values, um, you know, can those differences work together? Or like, you know, if we're getting down to like, hey, how are you in these different stages of your life? Or what's your hopes and your dreams for the future? Does that align? Like those kinds of conversations like are needed because, you know, you can get locked in and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we, we can't agree on this, but it's like a big life decision. And it's like, well, what do we do now? So yeah. I think premarital counseling, it's just a good tool to help you yeah. help you guys figure each other out. And yeah, you're not gonna get a hundred percent of all the things maybe in that time, but you're certainly mm-hmm. gonna get through some some really heavy but valuable stuff to help prepare yourselves for the long term mm-hmm. in terms of commitment levels, you know, really re- really what you want in this relationship. Yeah it's like, let's get all these expectations on the table, right? Like, let's not have to figure out these expectations throughout these phases of life. Yes. Let's just get through this really, like in this phase, and that you'll learn, like, do we work together or not? And that's also therapeutic is, is knowing whether or not you work together as a couple. I used to think going into this, that like, oh, the goal of therapy is to like, make a relationship work. But that's not it. Actually, it's about whether it's helping the relationship figure out if they can work or not. And either way yeah. mm-hmm. they come to that conclusion, whatever conclusion it is, that is therapeutic because I'm mm-hmm. saving a relationship either way, either from either they can work towards success together and live that long-term life or just, nope, we're saving ourselves from hitting that becoming that car that gets caught on fire. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's, that's a great question. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I really like that perspective of it seeing if the relationship can work.
2: Should we have done couples therapy before we started this podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe. There have been some moments.
2: Well, we need it after season one? I don't know. I would love to see that. You should do it on air. No, I'm kidding. I know. I was just thinking that. <laughs>
3: find some forms some like I know. Spoilers, <laughs> uh, let's
2: squash the stigma for real like yeah <laughs> oh my god too funny
1: so we've been calling this when in like our notes and like when we talk about like the theme of this episode we've been calling it how to fight fair i think we all know hopefully m- most people know like not fighting in a relationship i mean that's a great idea <laughs> but you know i mean any healthy relationship is gonna have some fights you know
2: and maybe like conflict versus knockdown, down drag out fights right. but yeah
1: yeah so what are your thoughts around like fighting fair i guess like in in the conflict so maybe like this is before you go to therapy like in the conflict handling those situations
2: and how do you how do you have a productive disagreement and communicate through that versus just having a meaningless fight that nothing is accomplished and you both just feel
3: horrible. I think one first I'll say like I think it's important to normalize conflict in a relationship. Yeah. As you know no two people are going to be exactly the same. Right? We have different molds. You know, we come from different places, you know, we 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 had different upbringings, you know, like and coming into this with somewhat different beliefs or it's just going to happen at some point or another, but it doesn't mean that we can't work through it. And so when we were faced with that, we needed to learn strategies for how to really work through those conflicts. And so when that was the case, we were like, okay, like disagreements for us is one of the hardest things, even today. Like it's still one of the hardest things for us because it, I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, so you're right, I don't think it's that often we disagree because we do have. Similar interests or similar values, Mm -hmm. but then over something small that we disagree, it could feel really big. Um, because we're like, Oh, yeah, what do we do? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, but we've learned some tools along the way, and at the very least, what we can do is like you hear this before, like agree to disagree. Um, but I think that's like a last, I don't know, I think I treat it like a last resort measure. Um, but I think that is important to get to that point of just accepting like, Hey, we're not going to agree with everything a hundred percent all the time. Cause that's just perfection. And we're trying to squash perfection anyways, yeah. um, and attainable. So mm. I think that's important. Um, yeah. but I don't know if you can speak more to that or.
4: Yeah. I think I'm just focusing on the first question and then maybe we can go to the second. Sure. Are you finished with the first or mm-hmm. do you want to keep going? Yeah,
3: yeah, I think I'm... No,
4: I think, uh, I think you both are absolutely right. I think, um, but there's like such a negative attachment to conflict. There can Mm. be healthy conflict. It's going to be uncomfortable, but the end result is going to just reap a huge benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think there are effective ways to address conflict that doesn't put blame completely on the other person. So even if he practiced a behavior that made me feel deeply misunderstood or deeply insecure or deeply hurt, focusing those on those emotions rather than saying, you know what, what you said really hurt me, your actions, And how deliberately mean you were hurt me and Mm -hmm. that, that, that might be true to some extent, but I I also, it's a lot less attack mode when you're saying, Hey, I just need to let you know when this happened, when you walked past me without saying hello, which he hasn't done. It's just an example (laughs) like when you walked past me and ignored me, like. I I felt, or when, I guess when the situation happened, I felt ignored. And Mm -hmm. so focusing more on my feelings rather than him, it it makes it less abrasive. And if that makes sense. Um, Mm. it makes it more about uh, my feelings rather than, well, I just think you're really selfish. I think you're really selfish for just thinking about yourself. Like who does that? Because that's my trigger when people are selfish. His triggers when people are misunderstood. Mine is when they appear to be selfish. And that's definitely a projection. But I think instead of saying, I think you're being selfish. Hey, I feel really ignored. I feel really unloved. And uh, I think you can't argue with someone's feelings or at least people that are focused on healthy growth aren't Mm -hmm. going to. Um, People that have toxic traits will, because they want to manipulate everything and won't take responsibility. But if a healthy person is saying, I feel if, if a friend were to say, I feel ignored by you, you'd want to sit with them in it and work through it. So Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think that there can be healthy conflict and there are so many resources and so many tools, so it doesn't have to be scary. And I think when you both set set rules together, like, Hey, my boundary, when I say I need space and you want a cage match in order for us to have effective change, I need to have my boundary respected. And Mm -hmm. when you tell me you feel misunderstood, your trigger is me explaining myself to rationalize why I hurt you. I'm not going to do that. So Mm -hmm. setting like, Hey, what are our compromises going to be? And like, that's it. That's also a negative organ therapy too, but it really is effective. Mm -hmm. It really is. You know, if we disagree. Um, So I hope that answered the whole question. (laughs) Um, Do you want to go to the next question? Uh,
3: Yeah. Can you remind me of the other questions?
4: (laughs) I think I blended the questions together. I'm sorry. I love that conflict that's healthy and not attacking Yeah, um, and yeah. So so, feelings are bad it's okay to say I feel yeah. ignored I feel yeah. hurt I whole attack it's not and I think people take I in the beginning when I was learning to do this I felt offended by his feelings and I had to ask why does it bother you like mm-hmm. it bothered me for a reason and that was up to me and my responsibility to take care of and not his he can't pay right. he can't pay for my past that's not fair of me to put on him so I need to do as much as I can as a partner to make sure I'm healing my triggers so that he doesn't have to pay for the times over and over again I was ignored as a child because mm-hmm. he may not have intended to he may not have even thought about it you know it wasn't right. this malicious thing that I perceived right but.
3: yeah you have a good point it's like I think what we have learned is like communicating about how we feel rather than rather than what the thing is like the problem isn't the problem
4: no it never is the
3: problem isn't the problem (laughs) it's the feeling and so like when we focus on our feelings that's it's not disputable because I can't tell Sierra what she's feeling that's not that's not fair for me because I don't I'm not feeling what she's feeling like she's the one that's feeling it and that's her feelings and only she can determine what she's feeling I can't tell her what she's feeling and and vice versa. And so when we put that into the focus, also too, our feelings have roots, it doesn't it's not as what is on the surface, as we talked about, like, it goes deeper than that. And so when we get through that whole conversation, and just talk through that, it ends up going a lot deeper than than it is on the surface. And then no longer it's about this original problem, like, oh, you know, I didn't do the dishes today. And, you know, she feels like, upset by that it's like no there's there's more to it than that it's not yeah. about that. yeah um it's
4: about feeling loved and valued which was an act of service thing in my family yeah um I've gotten past that now but in our first year of marriage ooh, ooh, it was a, it was a huge one for me it's yeah.
3: rough yeah. and i have adhd so you can see how that <laughs> together uh, yeah. um, uh, i just there's a wall here i can't do this on yeah lot. Um, yeah. but we figured it out. Uh, <laughs> thank you therapy for just helping us sort out. <laughs> but, um, I think at the end of the day, the feeling is the focus and that's what helps us have healthier conflict. And, you know, like even furthermore, and I'm still like wanting to make this more of a practice, but whenever Sierra tells me how she's feeling, I, I try to make sure to let her know, like, Hey, you are allowed to feel this way. You're- this feeling is welcomed. Like I'm, i, I- I want to validate that. That's my primary intention is to validate her feelings because they make sense. You know, it's there for a reason, like she said. And I want to say, hey, you, you your feelings matter, they make sense, and I welcome these feelings. You're allowed to feel what you're feeling. Um, that's the way I want to practice to help set the stage for healthy conflict. So
4: I don't do that. My knee-jerk reaction is to explain why I did something wrong. (laughs) I'm just so prideful and I don't want to take ownership, but I realize that's a, that's a, that's a low yield scenario. Um, And even though it's mortifying to have to like humble out and apologize, like I, I, I develop a lot more trust with him and safety. And that's something we've actually been working on currently is Mm -hmm. Anthony expressing feedback for me is not something he feels comfortable with because I haven't Mm -hmm. developed that safety for him. And what I mean by that is I'm often defensive when things are brought up. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, if he's telling me how hard his day was and I instantly jump into solution mode, I'm not seeing him. I'm not hearing him. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I got feedback on that recently, actually like, Hey, I think when you hurt me and I tell you, what I really need in that moment is not for you to explain your excuses for why you did, because you may not have meant to, and I know you're trying to just explain yourself, but that's actually more hurtful. Yeah. Um, and part of what I haven't done and need to do better is to be a safe person that is that is apologetic and does really hear what the problem is, and not just need it to be okay for my inner child to like not have conflict and not have a person not being happy, like being sitting sitting with it and being safe. Ooh, he's more natural at that than I am for sure. For sure.
3: Well, I mean, it's it. just as you need work. Like I've also had to do some work on like, like I said earlier on, you know, in our, in our discussion, it's like needing to give her space to let her mm-hmm. air out those feelings before she can talk. To me because i used to be like this like just push it let's let's just let's just push yeah. through this. Yeah. he
4: likes a cage match and i lose my, i lose it i can't do okay <laughs> like if i'm in a corner and someone raises their voice i'm like i gotta get out i gotta put yeah out.
3: yeah right yeah but the the thing that i think i value about our marriage a lot is that sierra sierra's openness to to learn and grow when she's done really well you know, is is something that like, I value a lot. And same for me, like, I want to practice that for her so that she can feel safe with me Mm -hmm. to talk to me about what she feels and vice versa. And I think we do that it's, it to me, we do that great. I think it's I horrible. think
4: I think you're more open to progress. I don't know if you guys see this. My eyes twitching because he's telling me I'm doing well, but I <laughs> I I still have a lot of work because he is such a. I can say anything at any time uh, if he, if he hurts me, but he's not able to do that with me. So I think my, I'm having like a visceral response.
2: <laughs> wow, we're getting a real time visceral response yeah. during recording. <laughs>
1: I just want to say, I really, I appreciate how vulnerable you all are. That's I do like, too. It's so I, encouraging. Like I've related to both of you at different mm-hmm. points. I've been like, oh yeah, I do that. I just appreciate how vulnerable you are about what you're working on and what you're working through. And I, and I think that's so great.
4: Well, thank you. Thank it's you. meant to be encouraging. It um is. And I, I'm glad that it's received that way. Well, you both have set the tone for us to feel like we can,
3: we yeah. can share
4: this yeah. on an open platform. So we appreciate you doing that.
3: Oh, thank yeah. you. You guys said to say it really well and we feel really comfortable with y'all to be able to be vulnerable. So, I mean, you know, we try to be vulnerable anyways, but it does take good people, you know, for us to feel that way. Awesome. I am
2: like a broken record of saying this while we're recording that my heart feels so full right now.
3: Yeah, same. <laughs> Hi.
2: Oh, same. my heart. I needed this. It's been a hard day for me with my heart. Just like, yeah, yeah. it's just been a hard day. Yeah. I don't even have a reason. You don't have to. Yeah, so yeah it's okay. All feelings yeah. are acceptable. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're
4: they're except we have we don't. Well, I normally say oh, we have cookies on the side, but we if we if
2: I had emotion <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I almost made cookies. I should have.
2: But <laughs> wow. is there anything else you really want people to hear about this topic that we haven't talked about, or just anything in general about marriage, dating, relationships, love? being yourself, et cetera. All
4: I can think of is what I would want my inner child to hear. Like oh, if we're I- getting
2: to that. We're getting to that.
4: Oh, okay,
2: you want to pause it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only Anthony speak now.
1: should was like, you should. you should save that answer.
2: <laughs> wow, amazing mind reading. I love
3: that. We are on the same page.
4: I'm so glad I make see how, like you perpetual people pleaser of course loves it. But. <laughs>
3: The only other thing I say that I should say this to anyone, but just trust the process when it comes to like working, working in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I was kind of coming back to my personal self, like there have been times where I've just felt like just just straight up hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I tend to shut down when I'm hopeless. But then I just think like, okay, but this is going to this is going to get better. It will get better. And as long as we persevere, which we do. It gets better, yeah. And so, I think sometimes in relationships, people can just get so defeated so quickly. And look, there's got to be a point where like just nothing works, and that goes back to just like okay, well maybe just this relationship just doesn't work, and that's yeah. fine. It's okay. Um, but if there's a if there's any room for a relationship to grow, possibly, um, it's worth trusting the process and exploring that um And not to give up so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the one thing. The last thing I'll say about it is just like trusting it, because I could see myself at times like not completely quitting. I would. I don't think I've, that's that is me, my heart, but at least not putting in the effort because of hopelessness. And I'm yeah. so glad that I pushed through that, because I think our relationship is has grown a lot mm. by just persevering. So I want to encourage anyone out there who, you know, is just figuring it out relationship wise and yeah, just trust the process.
0: I I think
4: I would, I would have, I would vet people. And I, I, I know that that is hard to say because I, it's not judgment. like i I, it, yeah. I if I can talk to anyone like i I just love people so much. like
0: mm-hmm. I oh. eat no
4: matter what they're going through. like it it is a, a, sometimes a toxic trait of mine because I just let people in and
2: feel like we are kindred spirits. A lot of that is my mind mom- <laughs> that I've worked on.
4: But it's more so rather than romantic relationships. I feel like like that's it's it's like been like that with my with my friendship, platonic friendships, where I let anyone in because I'm so desperate to be loved.
0: And I want that
4: so badly. But I think what I would have liked is to be educated on manipulation tactics, specifically with gaslighting. Mm. And now, now that I know how to recognize it from a mile away. I know that people can change, but I don't have to wait around for that if I don't need to. Mm -hmm. If someone's manipulating me, gaslighting me, love bombing me, accusing me of things so far beyond who I know that I am. I had one person tell me one time, that I lacked empathy. And I later on, like I took that to heart, like that hurt me so bad. Like as a person that feels emotionally and physically exhausted every day from feeling what everyone feels, mm-hmm. that hurt me so bad. But if I'd had the tools and education I had now, I would realize that that person had a lot of what I know now to be a diagnosis, borderline personality disorder traits, mm-hmm. where they accuse you of the behavior that they themselves are practicing.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. So oh. it
4: wasn't me that had those tendencies to not feel what others felt it was her
0: Mm so when I was I
4: I went around asking people hey do you think and be honest like am I not an impact like do you please tell me if I need to work on this like I'm so receptive and everyone said Sierra I think the person pointing the finger was actually a person experiencing that lack of empathy so Mm -hmm. I think my my whole point is just be able to guard yourself and have your armor up. Like you can still be vulnerable, be yourself and be generous and kind, but be able to spot tactics of manipulation from far away so that you can protect yourself from toxic people. Um, They need help. They need love. They need acceptance and work, but it is Mm -hmm. not always up to you to fix them. Like that's not fair. Like, and that's unless, and it's in a clinical setting, of course, like that's different. But when you are in an emotional friendship with someone, yeah was toxic it's just not okay so
1: yeah
2: wow i love that
1: yeah I love that.
2: okay so i'm gonna wrap us up here we've been doing this little segment with everyone that we interview called speed dating <laughs> where we are going to ask you both a couple questions don't think too much just tell us your answers and i'm not gonna lie the first two were pretty hard the last two are easy do you want to start with the easy or hard questions let's
3: we'll, we'll start easy this is okay. a is first impression i'm a okay. i'm a hard thinker so all right great
2: great well i already gave you a hint about one what one might be from what i told sierra not to <laughs> talk about earlier but okay do you like romantic comedies and if so what's your favorite
3: yes <laughs> just yes <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you
2: know what your favorite is I
4: don't want to say it
3: oh gosh it's so hard because everyone I'll give you a
4: hint he refers to himself as 30 flirty and thriving
3: oh, amazing
4: now that he's turned 30 <laughs> I've,
3: I've, I've, I've said that to everyone every time I turn 30 as soon as I turn 30 I'm like yeah 30 flirty and thriving <laughs> Yeah, I love it uh, I gotta celebrate it, you know. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that downer. Just, just like, oh, thirty. I'm gonna celebrate it. So,
2: what movie is that from? I'm not. I don't even know.
3: Thirteen going on thirty. Yes. Oh, okay. With Jennifer. Great. Jennifer.
2: I have seen no movies, Jennifer but I have Gardner. seen that. I have seen. And that.
1: like the first time I remember seeing Mark Ruffalo, and I yes. instantly loved him.
4: Yes. yes, incredible in that movie. He's Does so
3: good. At that movie. And now to see him in like Marvel, it's like yeah. So- to look back on like the rom-com Mark Ruffalo yeah. versus like this action-packed Hulk. It's just like <laughs> the right. Miles part. Right. But I love that movie. I grew up with my mom. My mom introduced me well into rom-com. <laughs> Great. One, one of the ones we bonded over and it sticks. Nice.
4: I don't think this would be considered a rom-com, but I think it's hilarious. It's a movie ever after. Oh, I yeah. Oh, I love how snarky she is. Like, yeah. She just crushes every preconception of who she is. And you know what? At the end of the movie, she rescues herself. And I'm like, yeah. you didn't need nobody to help you. Like you just <laughs> on your own. And she's just so snarky. And I love that sass. Like all my favorite female heroines are just like it just period dramas in general. Like they they always just yeah. rescue themselves. They don't yeah. need it. So
1: yeah, I love that yeah. movie.
2: Yeah, it's a good one. Favorite love song.
3: mm See, this is, that's that's hard. That is hard, is- <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is really hard. So-
2: they get harder.
3: We're like, we're like <laughs> we love so much music, it's hard to boil. Okay, right.
2: you can say a favorite love song, I guess.
4: Mine's probably from Heart, like, oh gosh, this is the piano and um the song Alone. It's the one that's like, how do I get you alone?
2: It's like that- Wait, you can scene. sing? <laughs> Wait, why haven't, why haven't you been singing every answer? That was beautiful. Cause I'm
4: crippling stage fright, but I do love that song. And that's like, it's, it's a good care. I will never do it on karaoke cause it's heart and her vocal range is amazing, but that song, I don't know what it does to me. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's an 80s
3: one. Yeah. do I think I thought of one. It kind of, po- it kind of speaks back to like my, my teenage years, uh, We the Kings, Secret Valentine, they were all. I don't know it. I'm a, I'm a singer, I don't. don't
2: (laughs) We're gonna make a playlist of all of them on Spotify. All of the answers we get, so we'll put it on there, and then I'll listen to it
0: that'll well, be great i'm it's so glad like, you
4: said that because i would have felt like a jerk if he had said our wedding song and i'm like oh, totally forgot about
3: that oh, yeah. <laughs> that's actually a really loving song it's
2: I, great it's what was good. your wedding song
3: it was, um it was so it was by ben rector it was um forever like that okay
2: we'll put that one on the playlist too i don't i don't know it off the top of my head i don't think
1: i, don't I know. know ben rector yeah I would say same i can't but i can't place that song yeah. yeah. There's also a really
4: good one. I know you didn't ask for two, but I'm going to give you one because I just love me. I wanted to. <laughs> There's another one by Ben Platt. Grow as we go is one of my favorite. Oh,
2: I love the title by itself alone. Be yeah. ready to
4: weep because the voice just makes me weep. Oh, I'm
2: ready. I ben love Platt,
4: that. I'm in tears. Yeah. So enjoy that.
1: Awesome. How would you define love in five words or less?
3: I was going to say thirty, flirty, and thriving. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Channel that spirit for the rest of your life. Then you're good. No, I, that's not what I would say. That's just the first, the first thing. I, I think,
4: okay, I got it. I'm love Love with conditions isn't love.
3: Uh, oh, love my that. God. I love that. I can't top that. I, can I just adopt <laughs> I, that? I can you can say top. same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
4: That might not be a good one. Think of another one. That's not good.
2: <laughs> oh, I want to know it. I bet it's good.
3: No, this is good. I like this one. I'm going to say it. Perfect love drives out fear. That's good. That's,
4: that's not original. Like that's from the that's from the Bible. But you guys can put
2: that out from the
3: source. It's just. I think it's just. It just fits. It, it's
2: so we'll put that on our Instagram attributed to Anthony. <laughs> Direct quote marks Anthony.
3: Just kidding. <laughs> right? It did come from my mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i do, i i do love that i love that quote like i think that's so and it's so true
3: yeah so i mean true. when you, you love so much it's like it it outweighs the fear right yeah
4: when i get nervous with my clients i just think about how much i care for them and i'm not nervous anymore because i just want it. or if i'm nervous mm-hmm. giving advice to a friend or supporting a friend i just think about how much i love them and i'm not scared anymore and it helps yeah, yeah.
0: mm-hmm
1: Okay, now we get to the question that uh, Suze alluded alluded to earlier. Um, (laughs) If you could go back and tell your younger self one thing about love or relationships, what would you tell them?
0: Mm.
3: I guess the first thing that comes to my head is like, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, Because I used to not think it was okay, you know, to make mistakes. or If I were to make a mistake, then the relationship wouldn't work, but I've made plenty and we're able to survive. So I think if I could tell my younger self, that'd be, Hey, it's okay to make mistakes. That's great. I love
1: yeah, that.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
4: There's this, there's, um, I went through something that's similar to EMDR um, and it's basically a form of therapy where you go back to your trauma, like you go, but you basically sit with your inner child and heal them. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. But a part of one of the phrases I use is, even though I feel shame and even though I feel completely unworthy of love, I am completely and deeply loved. Mm. And I think that if I could tell my inner child, she didn't have to earn it from people that she could just be herself and not have to earn affection or love, like that it would be the best kind of love. Like that's the best kind of love that you don't have to earn, but you can just be yourself. Um, I think she would have gone through a lot less and, if that were, if that had been her core belief, it would have changed a lot of things. But um, I, I still, I'm, I'm happy for the way things turned out. I just, I, th- I, I, I ache for my 13 year old self that thought that they had to be good enough in order to be accepted by others. So, mm. just you're enough, you know.
1: I love that. That's been that's been a theme of mine in like therapy, like yeah, for the last too. like couple years. I would say, yeah. like, it's just, powerful. Like, you're enough.
2: And I finally believe it. Yeah. It's That's so cool
0: it transformative when you believe it. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: Mm. I'm excited for your journey with that. Really, Me excited. too. Me <laughs> too.
2: And this whole podcast in general has been so healing. Yeah. And it's been so fun to do with yeah. you, even though we should have done a therapy session before.
0: <laughs> no
4: this was great i love yeah. the authentic you know like oh, you yeah. don't need to be good enough like you know like that's yeah. a, who you are right now is right. it's enough it's acceptable it's enough yes
2: yeah. exactly yeah. well thank you all so much yes
1: thank you this has been so great
2: are you ready to go out oh, and have yeah. healthy conflict <laughs>
1: oh, <yeah. laughs> let's do it i I am not someone who likes conflict, so Same. still no. <laughs> <laughs>
4: most, people don't, most people hate it. That's me. Yeah. It's
0: a
2: very human response to not. Yeah.
3: Call. Very normal. Yeah.
2: Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, and you we so will definitely let you know when the episode comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We're excited. We're excited for yes. you guys. Just I think it's, it's a great this is a great place to just talk and mm-hmm. like just the, the topics that you guys are promoting. And, <laughs> It really speaks yeah. to our hearts and yeah. we just love any opportunity to encourage you guys to keep this going. It's it's a great thing to, to get out there and share with the world.
4: Yeah. yeah, thank you both. You have great chemistry. I giggled Uh-oh. so much Uh-oh. today.
3: Like,
4: this is stuff that needs to be talked about. This is yeah. stuff that people advertise on their persona mm-hmm. or on yeah. the, yes. their
3: lives.
2: This yeah. needs to be talked about. So thank, yeah. you, thank for you, the you. For saying that. Oh, You'll right. have an amazing night. Yeah. Ooh, Thank you all care. so much. Yeah, bye.
3: You guys Have a great night. Take care. Yeah. You
1: too. Hope to see y'all soon. Absolutely.
3: No, for sure. For sure.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
2: Bye. I'm so happy now. I can't wait to make my therapist listen to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna send this whole podcast to my therapist.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm gonna need her to listen to every episode. In addition to our session,
1: <laughs> shout out! She's just gonna find you. You're gonna get a bill for, for the hour-long episode. I hope not!
2: Please, no. It's entertainment. <laughs> okay, let's. I'm gonna go heat my lasagna.
3: Okay. Yum.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on our socials at Open Heart Surgery Pod on Instagram, Open Heart Pod on Twitter, and Open Heart Surgery Podcast on Facebook. This podcast is produced by Adrian and Susanna with music by Space Baby and logo design by Emma. This is a lost frequency audio production. Yeah, boy, yes. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs>